Hey, everybody. Welcome to Defy. This is a podcast about stories because everyone has a story to tell. We're all about sharing stories of women and non-binary individuals and how they have defined the odds, persevered through incredible circumstances, and transformed their lives. Is this a show about perfection? No, because it doesn't exist. Is this a show full of empty self-help quotes for you to put on your Instagram? No, that is not our style. This is a show about breaking the rules, creating your own path, and being your true self. Because remember, well-behaved women rarely make history. Non-binary folks excel at breaking models. So come on, let's get out there and defy. This is actually the second time that Shantae and I have recorded this <laughs> because we were having internet. Well, I shouldn't say we were having internet issues. I was having internet issues because it's COVID and it's 2021 and that's just where uh, we're at today. So I am very excited to talk to my friend Shantae today, not only because she has literally the best name in human history, Shantae Gold, and that's not like her cool like Instagram handle name. Like That's like her legit like government name. And I love it. Um, but also because I think that your approach to training people to live, you know, a healthy lifestyle makes so much sense. And so, Shante, why don't you just like take a couple minutes in terms of like talking about who you are and what you do a little bit, and then we're gonna bring it all the way back and start from the beginning. So we can okay. Story. <laughs> so, hello, my name is Shante Gold. Uh, I'm a board certified behavior analyst. Uh, I, my title is a behavioral nutrition coach. I do one-on-one, uh, behavioral nutrition coaching for clients, um, interested in learning a flexible dieting type lifestyle. Um, and basically I teach people, um, what protein fats and carbs are, how to track those and how they can incorporate all kinds of different foods into their diet and still reach, uh, their health goals, whatever that is. Everybody's goals are different. So I kind of help guide them and, um, teaching them these strategies and then leading them to towards their goals. And you also, and you tell people to eat, yeah. which was something that like, this is part of the reason why I have like deep love for you is you're not one of those people that's like, oh girl, put the brownie down. Don't ever eat anything. You're like, Hey, like you can eat some of that stuff sometimes. Yeah. And that's your whole concept of flexible dieting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, you know, I, I do talk about, of course you want to incorporate as much whole uh, nutritious foods as possible, but if you're craving ice cream, if you're craving cake, if you're craving a chocolate bar, there are absolutely ways to incorporate that in your diet and still meet uh, weight loss goals or physique goals or just overall health goals. And, um, I personally have been practicing this lifestyle for years because I came from an extremely restrictive, uh, lifestyle for many years. Um, my mother was very strict on my diet growing up. Don't, don't really know why, but it just was. <laughs> um, and so I kind of um, entered my adult years in um, with that mentality that, you know, fat was bad, carbs were bad, basically anything besides a vegetable was bad. And so when I decided to advance my 
my fitness lifestyle, I decided to do a bodybuilding show. And unfortunately, I landed in the hands of a terrible coach who put me on an extreme, extremely restrictive diet. Um, he gave me a shit ton of cardio. And I was on that for like almost six months. Mm -hmm. And by the time it was over, I gained all the weight back 20 20 to 25 pounds within two months. Um, That entire experience, although it was mortifying and embarrassing because I worked so hard on my, on my body for so long. um, And it just Mm -hmm. went away and like within a matter of weeks, what it felt like Mm -hmm. at least. um, I, I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't, I didn't understand because I wasn't, I, I wasn't as restricted, but I was still eating healthy foods. I was still eating healthy foods after the competition. I was still doing all the cardio. I'm like, I just don't understand. Like I'm doing all the right things. Why am I still gaining weight? And so it really forced me to do some research and that's all I did for like months but just sit in my room and research what was going on with my body why um i was gaining weight so fast and why i couldn't stop and i ended up watching some videos from lane norton he is an og in the health and fitness world um this was this was like when youtube was first coming around so um i i saw a video of him explaining what uh metabolic damage was he coined that term there's no such thing as metabolic damage but he was just trying Mm -hmm. to explain um the the effects of over dieting and so he coined this term metabolic damage and he was explaining that when bodybuilders or anybody who over diets for long periods of time and you you're basically um training your metabolism to be at a a new set point so when you start to introduce mm-hmm. calories back into your diet and not in a strategic way, you just start eating more calories and your body is burning, you're going to gain weight. And um, so he was explaining the science behind it. And then he goes into explaining how you recover from something like that, which is a, uh, there's a method called reverse dieting. And when you diet for long periods of time, there needs to be a transition phase where you start to slowly introduce calories back into your diet and slowly start to reduce cardio to a sustainable level because nobody can be a dieting forever, right? Like there needs to be, there needs to be an end point to this. And you also don't want to lose all your progress. And so when he was explaining this, I would literally was like, Oh, I get it. And I need to work on eating. (laughs) I need to work on eating more and maybe not doing so much cardio and just working on like building more muscle and just like eating, just breaking all of those like, like preconceived notions that I had about food. And so it was just this huge weight lifted off my shoulder. I was like, okay, cool. So I could eat pancakes now. I can eat um, like bread and all this fun stuff and still meet goals. And so then I researched um, uh, another coach who practiced flexible dieting and he helped me basically rehabilitate my body. And it took about, well, it took realistically about two years to get back to a, a healthy, you know, um, metabolic response, but he helped me for like eight to 10 months. Um, and then that the rest is history. I mean, I've just been really going, um, since then just 
learning about nutrition, learning about lifting, learning about um, all kinds of different um, diet myths and all the and all that stuff. And then ABA came later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's, you know, like just so much garbage <laughs> in the fitness industry right now. I mean, there's there's always garbage. I I think I've kind of um, reached a point where I'm not surprised about anything anymore. Like it's just fad diets have been around for hundreds of years. They're not going mm-hmm. away. They're just going to continue to be recycled over the over years, especially now with social media and people get, get wanting to make money on, on social media. I don't mm-hmm. I don't anticipate it going anywhere anytime soon. So it's just kind of like part of the industry, you know. What's fascinating to me about the fitness industry is there's so much conflicting information. And I also think if you add all of, you know, it's like eat carbs, don't eat carbs. Um, Half high fats, don't eat, you know, half fats. Uh, Exercise, you know, you can exercise for four minutes a day and be fit, or you can exercise for 140 minutes and be fit. But what I think all of this really comes down to is habits and behavioral momentum. And that's where I think behavior analysis comes into play here. And like you were were talking about earlier, um, it's not – you had to like refeed yourself essentially, and then just get to this place where you could have a healthy lifestyle and maintain and not feel like you were like, you know, crash dieting or, or doing, you know, insane things that were messing with your metabolism and, and your body. And, and so I'm interested to know why, why do you think that behavior analysis doesn't have a stronger role right now as it pertains to like nutrition? Uh, because I believe that the tools that we have are so great. And honestly, it provides more flexibility and I think understanding and also really prevents people from thinking that this is always an issue about them, you know, just not having willpower. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the good news is that it is uh, behavior change within the health and fitness space is uh, catching attention now. Mm-hmm. I started to notice it about two years ago, um, you know, some pretty uh, popular fitness people talk about behavior change and, you know, it got mm-hmm. me excited. And and now I think in general, people are starting to understand that there needs to be some type of behavioral intervention in within like the fitness and nutrition space. And so even big companies, the Precision Nutrition, which is where I got my certification from, has uh, talks a lot about behavior change and even has their own uh, specialized certification for like a behavior change specialist. And so mm-hmm. I see it, uh, I see it being talked about a lot in the fitness space. What bothers me, though, is that a behavior analyst is not talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's always like, Oh my God, I'm so happy that, you know, it's catching attention. People are talking about it and trying to disseminate. But I, I also feel like, um, we should be in that role, Mm -hmm. um, and disseminating it in, uh, the proper way, because I do see a lot, not misinformation, but I think the term habits gets misused a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, they don't really understand what habits mean or how to even create habits. Yeah you know, the process in which somebody establishes those habits is not the traditional nutrition or the traditional, um, fitness way. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a different perspective and it's a different method. So, um, I do try to, um, teach that in my stories on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just hard, um, 
getting the word out there to health professionals who've been around for a really long time. They already have like this huge platform. They've, they're already known. So yeah. people obviously are going to trust them. So it's like, okay, how can I earn that trust? <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure that out. I haven't, Yeah, I, I still don't know. <laughs> I want to spend a couple minutes uh, just delving a little bit into your background and story, because I think th that a lot of people might see you and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, Shantae is beautiful and she's fit and everything in her life is is perfect, as many people tend to think when they only see glimpses of you on, you know, like social media. Sure. But I the context of, of kind of who you are and how you grew up is, is important. And I think it'll allow people to understand you better and understand why you're so passionate about what you do. So you are an only child yes. of a Peruvian mother, um, and, a, a Caucasian father and your parents had a really cute, uh, meet, like a cute meat story. So how did your parents meet each other? So my mom immigrated to the U.S. when she was, I want to say, like 19 or 20, really young with my grandmother. Um, and my dad worked at a mechanic shop with my mom's uncle. Mm -hmm. And my mom was trying to, needed to get her car fixed and um, dropped it off at the shop. And my dad saw her and <laughs> asked her uncle, like, Hey, does she have a boyfriend? And I guess the uncle was like, "It's okay, Mikey. You go, Mikey." Like, <laughs> like, like giving him his blessing. Like, yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that was how they met. And she and your mom didn't speak English. Your mom did not speak English when she met your father. No, very. If it, she did, it was very broken. Yeah. Um, and she actually had a boyfriend back in Peru, and she dumped him. Oh, and oh okay. My goal is sliding right in. Yeah, sliding right in. She's like, okay, I'll date this white boy. Uh huh. <laughs> and that was it. And your parents are still happily married. I saw your wedding photos uh, this fall, which, by the way, were just you know beautiful. And your parents, I mean, a your mother looks like she could be your older sister. Um, yeah. Time. Oh my God. I mean, I'm just like, oh, what? Like she is just beautiful. Um, but honestly, they just look so happy. And love. It's yeah. yeah. But you grew up, your dad was in the military for a while. And so you guys moved around a lot and then you, you know, settled in San Diego. But one thing that was really challenging for you growing up, and I I always think that like parents have especially because I grew up in also a, a Christian home that was, you know, pretty strict. And I understand that my parents had the best of intentions um, and that their faith was something that they wanted to provide to me to pr give me roots um, to create a, a worldview of, of understanding. But I think that you had a similar experience to me. I just saw it as something that was overly restrictive and separated me. Yeah. from um from others and that I wasn't always always proud of what was that experience like for you growing up in a kind of strict Christian uh home yeah I mean you said it perfectly it was definitely it was hard I didn't understand it um now as a 32 year old woman I understand what they were trying to do because they had me so young and mm -hmm. they both came from very um unstable households and so when they had me they were born again christians and mm -hmm. i think that they just wanted to connect with a community and they felt like the evangelical christian community was that yeah 
and um, they a lot of like their parenting styles um, were from um, perspectives of evangelical Christians, yeah. and so. I just wasn't allowed to do anything, right? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like I think this happens a lot with you know for for children of parents who grew up um whether it was in in conflict or low socioeconomic status or you know whatever the circumstances may be and they want to like protect their children from that and like have you not experienced that it's almost like the pendulum swings so far the other way and then us the children are then trying to feel like we're in these constricted boxes and we're going to try to break out of them yeah i wanted nothing to do with the church um as i entered like you know um adolescence so around like 13 i started to feel like i just didn't identify with the church but i was still forced to go and i was still forced to be friends with these people that mm-hmm. i just didn't want to be friends with Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't allowed to hang out with my friends at school because they weren't Christian. Um, I, you know, I wasn't allowed to listen to music or like popular music back then. Um, and I wasn't, you know, going into high school, I, you know, wasn't allowed to go to parties or dances until, you know, I hit a certain age. And then even then, so it was just like a lot of restrict restrictive, um, restriction growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that shaped um, my curiosity around drugs and alcohol, you yep. know, I won, I was so curious about marijuana and, um, you know, as I got older, I, you know, and, ex- you know, um, met new people who were into that kind of stuff. I wanted to try it, you know, yeah. because it was like bad. It was like not untouched territory. Like, Ooh, this is, this is exciting. Like, let's do it, you know? And then I just, that, you know, after I turned 18, um, my parents finally were like, okay, you don't, you don't have to go to church anymore. You can kind of, they gave me a little bit of freedom and Mm -hmm. I just went nuts for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you had, you know, were involved in drugs and alcohol. You got a a DUI. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, just because I think for so many people and like, honestly, this is, I mean, I think you can talk to so many um, other, you know, kind of children of, you know, homes that were really strict and Christian evangelical. And this happened to even my cousin, he got like this full ride scholarship to a very prestigious university, but had grown up in such a strict um, upbringing when he got to college. It's like, he lost his mind. Um, right. Right. you've, You've never had any exposure. You've always been told that it's bad. And so you don't have, you know, how do you moderate this thing? Like, you know, understanding that, sure. I mean, if you want to have a couple drinks, there's not, not nothing necessarily wrong with that. If you want to, you know, smoke a little weed, like whatever, but there it, it's like, it goes from like zero to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that can be dangerous. What allowed you to be able to kind of like bring that pendulum kind of back to the center? So it's like, you felt ostracized as a teen, you felt alienated, then you really kind of broke out of that and swung totally the other way. How did you come, come back to a, a better place for yourself? Well, after, you know, living that lifestyle for so long, um, it started to affect me emotionally just because um, just making poor decisions in general, when you're at, in that state, um, you don't necessarily feel good about yourself after um, you start to carry shame mm-hmm. with you. Um, and I also just, developed really low self-esteem. Um, and I kept dating men who just didn't treat me right or were just not 
the right person, obviously, but um, just after a while, I just, I was so sad and so unhappy with my life. I didn't know what else to do um, besides go back to something that I was already familiar with. Um, and I grew up playing sports. Mm -hmm. um, I was very familiar with lifting weights because I had a boyfriend at that time who taught me how. And so yeah. the gym was just always very comfortable place for me. Yeah. Um, so um, I remember one day or one time I went to go visit my parents from college and my mom just saw sadness in me. She yeah. didn't know exactly what was going on. Obviously didn't tell her because she would freak out, but yeah. um, she says we need to talk. Um, yeah. And she's like, what's going on? Like, you don't look good. Yeah. Uh, and so I vaguely, you know, explained to her like just how sad I was and I just don't know what's going on. And I was crying and um, she really gave me a heart to heart, you know, without really knowing what was going on, but still gave me that motherly love that I needed at that, at that time. Mm -hmm. And one thing that she said that stuck to me was Shantae, like you need to speak life to yourself. Yeah. You need to speak as if like you need to bring life back into yourself. Mm -hmm. Say, say things that you, you want in your life and then do it. And that message impacted me so much that I have a tat I have it tattooed on my on my mm -hmm. arm and I understood you know what she said and I said you're right I need to I need to change and so the first thing I did when I um went back to my home was I hired a personal trainer yeah <clears throat> well first I took out a personal loan because I was broke mm -hmm. uh afford a personal trainer but mm -hmm. I wanted to change so bad that I took out a loan and um, that the rest is history. And mm -hmm. she got me back in shape in a couple of months. And I, it just kind of took off from there. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I want, I think, again, it's really easy for people that are in the fitness industry or for people, to, again, to look at you on your Instagram and just be like, oh, my gosh, she's just like, you know, banging Latina. You know, all she cares about is, is how she looks. And she's just telling me all this fitness stuff. But there is an actual purpose in yeah. your heart behind the things that you do and a motivation, because this is something that has rescued you. And by able being, by being able to kind of harness the power of your own strength, by being able to look at your body and use your body as this like powerful tool, um, it, you breathe life back into yourself. Yes. And I, I've always felt like when I, I watch your videos or I listen to you talk, you can sense that passion um, when you're, you know, talking to other people about the, the power, um, that they can, of behavior analysis and how they can use that to change their, their bodies and, and their nutrition. And it's not from like a, like a, well, you need to be a size two, or you're trying to like fit into these molds, but it's like, like, this is you, you're reclaiming yourself and your own power. Um, so you can also be manifesting like joy into the world. You can be happy, um, in the, in the things that you're doing. And what I have found personally in terms of my fitness journey, and I don't know if you're the same way is once I really started getting into, to my fitness and really enjoyed the community that I formed with the different people that I would, would work out with my trainers or the, the other women or dudes that worked out in my gym or in my classes, it also kind of crowded out my interest in, you know, kind of drinking more, um, or, you know, kind of putting other things into my body that I knew would really, um, not help me 
to be able to be my best in terms of my performance. And, and I don't know if that was your experience as well. So it, it's not necessarily as dramatic as like, Oh, I had, you know, like rehab, but it was just like, Oh, like I just didn't have an interest in that anymore because I was so focused on this. And this was so reinforcing to me. And like that kind of lifestyle is like completely and utterly incompatible with, right. you know, the, this has healthy lifestyle that, that you have adopted. And now that you are really sharing with others. Yeah. I mean, the journey I've been in this, um, quest, I should say for like eight years, mm -hmm. and I have to say the first five years were really rocky. Yeah. Um, you know, I, because, um, the talking about functions of behavior, I was, I was still doing the same things that I am today, but the function of it was to escape, right. Yeah. Escape a, a life to, to escape the body that I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and, you know, I developed, body dysmorphia for quite some time for years. And so even though I was still um, performing and doing all the things that I'm doing now, the reasons behind that were not the best. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I had to go through, you know, myself. And I, I did even like during those five, those first five years um, was still even like I was practicing flexible dieting um, nutrition. Mm -hmm. I was still kind of in this like, okay, during these months, I'm dieting and doing these things. And then I'll like go, you know, to the club to celebrate and drink and do cocaine. And, and then like, so it was still like a period where mm -hmm. I was still trying to leave that old lifestyle, but it was hard. It was hard for me because yeah. I was easy. That's what I was familiar with. It was still like something that I, um, I was, um, having a hard time letting go. Yeah. Um, and then, um, over the years, I would have to say like within the last three years, it's, it, it really has completely changed in terms of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, I feel very content and happy and, um, and just complete now, yeah. but there was a lot of work that had to be done within that time. Yeah. And, and I think that that's also important to talk about, talk about, because again, we're in this kind of culture where people, they want the quick fix. Right. You know, just, well, just tell me the thing that I need to do for 30 days so I can drop 15 pounds, which is going to be mostly water weight. And then I'm going to gain all of that back plus some when I stop, you know, doing this. And I think it's important to be able to talk honestly that, you know, really, you know, sustainable behavior change takes time. Yeah. It takes, uh, you need to have an incredible amount of, you know, compassion for yourself and understand that there's going to be starts and stops and it's not always necessarily going to be going in that forward direction. But one thing that I really enjoy about the way that you work is understanding the power of, of graphing and, yes. and showing data because what you can see, especially when you have like cumulative graphs is yeah, maybe there, you know, you went down, um, in terms or went up in, in terms of your weight instead of down. But cumulatively, when you're looking at this in, in, you know, in a graphical expression, you're like, oh my gosh, but the trend is exactly where I want to go. And I, I think that that can also sometimes be a, a missing piece in, in fitness is, you know, people often think the thing that I experienced most recently is the thing that is true, right? It's like the recency effect. Like I just gained a uh, half a pound between, you know, Monday and Wednesday. So that means that I'm getting fat. But if you have a graph and you can look at it cumulative, uh, you know, progress, you're like, oh, well, sure. I did that. That half a pound did happen, but I've actually lost six pounds in the last, you know, month. And this is a way I think to also kind of take some of the 
emotion um, and our own like subjectiveness out of how we perceive ourselves and and, and our progress. And I I love weaving in data and information um, because it also means that like you can change it like, okay, well, I'm noticing this. So what do I need to do to adapt it? And I love, you know, not only do you do this flexible dieting approach, but one of the things that you and I talked about when we were prepping for this, and this made so much sense to me, you were like, hey, there's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. There, there isn't. Right. Um, and this whole concept that like the, you know, here's the one answer that's going to be the answer for everybody is, is simply not true. How do you, when you're, you know, taking on clients, what is the process that you guys go through together to kind of figure out what's going to be the fit for this specific person? Yeah. So I think, um, when people see me, um, they want to learn how to track calories, right? They want to learn how to track macros um, and they're ready, but some people just aren't. And I could just, I could tell that from the uh, assessment that I have and I can tell what, you know, they're just talking with them that yeah. they're not at a place right now to jump right into macros. So mm-hmm. I'll give them that feedback and I'll say, Hey, like, it doesn't sound like you're ready right now, but this is what we can do. And t- let me know what you think about that. And they're pretty open-minded when I do suggest other things like that, because they want this, these habits to stick and they yeah. want to learn. Um, and there's other people that I have to um, uh, work I have to tell them to be patient, <laughs> like just to, just to remember that, you know, um, you know, this, this, these things take time, please like, uh, trust me, uh, you know, the, the slower, the better, because the slower, the more likely your habits are going to stick. Yep. Um, so I have to have these conversations with them throughout the, the process. Um, but you know, some, I think, the one fit size all model. Um, I think there's a lot of fitness people or nutrition coaches who think that they are being flexible with their approach, but really aren't. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know this because I have worked with a lot of nutrition coaches and in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, like I, you know, my behavior analytic mind goes through like, Oh my God, I could do this in so many other ways. And, you know, but they think that they're being flexible and I I could just tell that they're not because people will stop working with them because they, they can't keep up. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of take that in, in, you know, in mind and Mm -hmm. just make sure that, um, that I try to be as flexible as I can with my clients. And there's even some clients who will start on a really, you know, they tell me, no, I want to do it all seven days. I want to, I, I can do it. And then life gets in the way yeah. and then they can't keep up. And so i have to, as a coach, that's my job to be flexible and not shame them for not keeping up with what they said they were going to do, but yeah. just say, Hey, like I noticed, you know, the data isn't looking, you know, the best, like, what can I do? Like, do we need to adjust some things? Uh, because I don't want to overwhelm you right now if you have a lot of stuff going on. And that's important for me uh, because I know as, you know, a, a very busy woman and, you know, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I, I but you are a dog that. mother. You are a dog <laughs> mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but I can, I can definitely have that perspective, you know, yeah. like I, I know I've seen uh, the stress of, you know, mothers and like, you know, I've worked in home in those homes. So I understand. Mm-hmm. So I never want them to feel pressured to be a hundred percent all the time. If life gets in the way, Hey, like, just tell me and we can adjust the program. It's totally fine. Yeah. 
One thing that I, I want to pivot for this a little bit, because, you know, you like to hustle and I like to hustle too. And when we were talking about this podcast earlier, one thing that you said that I was like, yes, Shantae, we need to talk about this for sure when we record is the idea that when you decided to pursue health and fitness within the ABA context and you wanted to start a business, you sought out mentorship by people that were already doing it within the field and you paid those mentors to help provide you with uh, support, advice, consultation. And let's talk about that for a minute, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, hey, I want to start this business. And I get this all the time. They're like, Sarah, hey, do you mind having a conversation with me for 75,000 hours so we can talk about all the things that I need to know that you already know because you've done this for 20 years. And so I'd like to for you to tell me all of those things so then I can just magically have them and then start my own business. Can you just kind of provide, I'd love you to provide a systematic framework for how you decided like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. It's the path to gold, which by the way is like my favorite ever. I mean, like your name is my favorite and the path to gold, like, come on, it just makes so much sense. But can you just kind of talk about like when you, from conceptualization to execution, what did that look like in terms of how you kind of systematically worked your way through, you know, starting this business and how you valued the people that helped contribute um, to your skill set that allowed you to kind of launch it? Okay. So I think um, what started turning my wheels was my really good friend, Amanda. She is a power lifter and, uh, you know, she has her own online coaching business and she approached me and said, Hey, you know, it'd be really cool if we collaborated one day and you, you incorporate the behavior and, um, I incorporate the training and I was like, um, yeah, <laughs> this was like when I was still in grad school. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about it and then we were like, okay, let's put a pin in it. Cause obviously we're not ready. Mm-hmm. She wasn't either. She had a lot of things to do for, you know, to, um, establish, um, credibility within her own, you know, sport and field. And, and so I put a pin in it and, um, I, so for me in my mind, I was like, okay, focus on one thing at a time, Shantae Mm -hmm. graduate. Yep. Graduated. Okay. And I gave myself a month break. I'm like, next step, pass the exam. Mm -hmm. And that was the one, I was only focusing on that study for the exam. And right after I was, I, I passed, I said, okay, next step certification. So I researched certifications, nutrition certification, mm-hmm. only focus on that. Mm-hmm. And then the next step after that was, okay, build a website. Yeah. Didn't know what the fuck to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to build a website. So then I started reaching out to people. Um, I reached out to um, Julie Slowowski, um, yep. who is, I think works for health sports and fitness, a special interest group. Um, and I spoke with her two or three times and paid her for mm-hmm. her time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and to be honest, like I, I feel for, um, people wanting to learn and not knowing or, um, understanding that you need to pay other people. Because when she said, yeah, I'll send you an invoice. My initial reaction was like, Oh, like I have to pay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I was just like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's information that I want to learn. So I don't mind, I don't mind paying. Um, and then, you know, we talked a little bit and she kind of helped me, um, you know, make decisions, um, about, how to integrate ABA in health 
and uh, fitness. And then I um, reached out to Nicholas Green from Behavior Fit and mm-hmm. um, I paid him uh, for six months of consultation work to help mm-hmm. me basically um, try to build a brand. But to be honest, we couldn't figure that out. I didn't know how to brand myself at all. I really, yeah. I really didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I needed to start. Yeah. Uh, so he helped me like build, um, uh, or he helped me with the data aspect of it. And then he also helped me like start my website and asking me the questions of how I'm going to brand myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we met, I think once a month for an hour, you know, talking about how to start this. And that was in, um, the year of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I did a couple photo shoots for my website um, of me, like at the gym, and mm-hmm. you know, like just muscle type chick, <laughs> and uh, put you know did the Squarespace thing, and then just yep. put the website up, and that I just you know started there, and I was like, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> right. Well, and it's a whole concept of you started with a minimum viable product. I mean, you, you did your research, you got consultation and mentorship by experts that you paid. Yeah. Um, but you also understood that like, Hey, let me just put this out here. And then I could iterate, you know, along the way you've really pivoted your strategy over the last year. Can you kind of talk about why you did that and how you've really kind of changed how you interact with, um, people that follow you on social media and your clients from yeah. when you know you first launched that website to right now? Sure. So like I said, when I first launched it, I didn't know what approach I was trying to take. I knew I I had the nutrition certification, but I was also an avid lifter. Like I love lifting weights. And so I would constantly post of me lifting weights on my stories and um, all these like I did these gym photo shoots of like me and like my muscle tank and like just like squatting and deadlifting and Um, I think I was just trying to imitate what I saw and the people that I followed because I didn't have, to be honest, I just, I didn't have, and I still don't have anybody to look up to in the ABA world in terms Mm -hmm. of what I'm trying to do. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to copy the people that I like to follow. And so that was a lot of, uh, gym photo shoots in the beginning and, I would just go on my stories and just talk about different health stuff and just Mm -hmm. trying to, and that was how I learned like what I wanted to focus on was just talking about different subjects and um, posting about, you know, different recipes and nutrition. And then over time um, uh, or during that time in 2020, I took a couple master classes on uh, Instagram marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, how to attract your audience. Um, how to post uh, social posts that sell, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so it kind of, th- learning that information gave me a new perspective on how I want to present myself. And on top of it, I really honestly did feel uncomfortable posting so many gym pics because I felt like a poser. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, even though lifting was a big part of my life, it is a big part of my life. Yeah. Posting those pictures just made me feel so uncomfortable. I, the first day that I, the first time I took, I did a photo shoot at a gym, I was mortified because the photographer that I hired was actually a professional photographer and I wasn't, I didn't realize it. He brought all these like, lights. It was like a studio and I was just like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I couldn't even use half of the pictures because you just tell my face I was uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so um, 
over time I decided like, you know, I, I really, I love makeup. I love dressing up. Like I love like lifestyle. So I love skincare and like, mm-hmm. talking oh, girl, about- I know, I know you love makeup. Cause I'm like, look at Shantae in that lipstick and the brows are popping and also the highlights and you have on blue nails right now. Yep. I love all of it. <laughs> I mean, I was a makeup artist for eight for years. years. You're right. Yeah. You're like, this is me. This is me. Like, why am I trying to be this like poser gym rat? Yep. Like that's like another personality. Like people like don't even know that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it just felt more like me. And I also uh, wanted to focus more on nutrition because I think mm-hmm. that is where people need the most help yeah. in general is just learning how to eat. Um, And then I kind of shifted into more cultural nutrition because, you know, I'm Latina and there's not a lot of Latina nutritionists out there. Um, And I wanted to kind of represent that. um, I wanted to represent my community and uh, provide information by saying, you know, you don't have to uh, eliminate your cultural food. You're like, I want to eat my chicharron, but also be fit. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I shifted a little bit more towards that, you know, trying as, you know, because I'm in my uh, period where I'm trying to reconnect with my Latina roots. And so yeah. I figured, you know, um, why not try to do this at the same time and post, yeah. you know, Latin food and stuff like that. So, well, and, and the way that I view this is you're just being your authentic self. Yeah. And I, I hope that you can see that too. And by realizing because you are creating your own path, like literally your own path to gold. <laughs> I mean, look at, did you see how I just like worked in that branding girl? It, I mean, yeah, so strategic. No, but like literally you're creating your own path. There's really kind of no one that you can emulate um, in, in the ABA space. So you're like, okay, then why don't I just lead with me? Right. And if I lead with me and I lead with that authenticity and then I'm backing this by like science that's effective, that's where the good shit happens. Right. And I think that that's what has, you know, kind of brought more and more people to you because I've been, you know, kind of watching this trajectory uh, for you. And I'm just so excited because, you know, what a fun message of like, hey, we can do this together. I'm going to be your coach. You know, I'm going to be flexible about what we do. I'm not going to make you think that you have to like turn your back on like your your culture things that are, you know, cultural foods that are important to you or that I can't I don't understand that there's other, you know, things going on in your life that are competing sometimes right. contingencies. Right. Like I got this. And I'm going to be me and you can be you. And like, we're going to do this together. Yeah. And like sold, right? I mean, sold. So a while to figure that out though. Like I think analysts who are trying to get into this space, like I think the best advice that I can give anybody is to not be afraid to be seen. Yeah. Not be afraid to sound, not to sound, um, (laughs) quotes dumb but there's there's been a lot of times where I've gone on my stories and like we'll say things or try you know but and afterwards I'm like god that was terrible that (laughs) right like and just allowing myself to just let it be and if people want to judge and if people like think I'm stupid (laughs) whatever yeah whatever like but I think it's important to make yourself known and try to engage and talk to your community in face to face as much and whether you, you know, are, you know, say the smartest thing in the world or don't say the smartest thing in the world doesn't matter. Like people will engage with you eventually and you'll get a following from that. Well, this is 
this is a good time to wrap up. And so what we're going to do on podcasts, you have show notes. And so what we're going to add in the show notes, obviously, is the link to your website and your Instagram account so everybody can follow you because I already do. (laughs) But yeah, I would just really, you know, I would really encourage everyone listening to this, you know, especially if you're feeling like, gosh, you know, especially in COVID. I mean, don't even get me started on the quarantine and COVID weight gain and all of the sourdough bread and carbs that we've all been enjoying. Like, y'all stop shaming yourself. Yeah. It is okay. And, you know, one step at a time. And if you want to walk down a new path, uh, then, you know, our girl Shantae, you're here for it, right? You're here for it. I got you. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to learn uh, the proper nutrition science integrated Mm -hmm. with behavioral science and a flexible approach to lifestyle and nutrition, I got you. Thanks for listening to Defy. We really appreciate your support. And we hope that you listen to all of the different podcasts that we've put together. And guess what? We're available on all of the podcast platforms and on social media too. And we even have a website. Like seriously, we have all of that stuff. You can find us at www.defy.community. You can find us on Instagram at defy.comm. On Facebook using the same defy.comm. Or you can even send me an email if you just want to chat about something or if you have an idea of a podcast that you think would be really great for our community. Our email is contact at defy.community. We hope that you have found something that you can take away from this podcast that will impact your life. We hope that you continue to defy society's expectations of you. Because remember, baby, well-behaved women rarely make history. <laughs>